You're listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message at 11 a.m. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. To learn more, visit mtcarmeldemarest.com or facebook.com forward slash mtcarmeldemarest. Thanks for listening. But again, we want you to search the scriptures with us. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, we're going to continue our series through the book of Acts. This is part three, which I've entitled, Our Business. Our Business. March 4th, 2020, so just this year, Barna Research released their latest findings. For their study, and you need to note this, to qualify as a practicing Christian, People must call themselves a Christian, so they self-identify as a Christian. They must, number two, strongly prioritize their faith, and then three, regularly attend church. That's the variables, the factors, or the metrics that Barna used for this study. Just 20 years ago, in 2000, 45% of all those sampled qualified as practicing Christians. That is almost one out of every two Americans. Now today, just 20 years forward, 25% qualify as practicing Christians. That is one out of every four. The number of practicing Christians in our country has nearly cut in half in just two decades. In the United States, Christianity has undergone a dramatic change in just a couple of decades. And if we believe the Bible, you and I, there are millions of people all around us who will never see the kingdom of heaven. Is that our concern? Does that worry us? Does that make us anxious? Does that keep us up at night? Does it cause us even to pause and possibly shed a tear? What does it have to do with the church? In what business is the church? Is it any of our business? In today's Bible passage, when Jesus walked the earth, the land or nation or country of Israel had fallen under the control of the Roman Empire. The Jews had lost their national independence. Virtually all Jews expected the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah, that when the Messiah would come, He would deliver Israel from Roman oppression and become king over the Jewish nation, reunited and sovereign as it had been under kings like Saul, David, Solomon, and again under the Maccabees and the Hasmonean descendants. Now here we have the resurrected Messiah in Acts chapter 1 speaking to his disciples about the subject of the kingdom of God. The disciples knew of no reason why the Messiah should not set up the kingdom immediately since his messianic work signaled the end of the age. Remember, Jesus preached, this is the refrain we see throughout the Gospels, the kingdom of God is near, or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
you must understand how his original audience would have perceived that. People would have assumed that he was talking about an earthly, physical kingdom, a restoration of Israel. And they were partially correct. Before Jesus ascends, that's where we are in Acts chapter 1, the disciples wonder out loud about the eminence of this kingdom. In answering his disciples, Jesus answers the question, in what business is the church? What is the business of the church? Let's read in Acts chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 6 through 7. And this is what it says. So when they, the disciples, had come together, they asked him in reference to Jesus, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? In verse 7, notice his reply. He said to them, It is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. Again, we're asking this question, in what business is the church? What is the church's business? Number one, I want to talk about what's not our business. Number one, the time is none of our business. The time is none of our business. In verse 6, if you go back, it is introduced with the connecting conjunction. In my translation, it says, so. And if you remember from last week's sermon, verse 5 talks about the disciples receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus talks about baptism and the Holy Spirit, it immediately triggers a thought for his disciples. They concluded that the restoration of Israel's kingdom, literal, physical, and earthly, must be near. See, in the disciples' minds, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the coming of the promised kingdom were closely connected. They were strongly associated, as well as they should be. Because in the Old Testament, when you go and review the Hebrew Bible... Frequently, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the restoration of the kingdom of Israel are put together often, and there is no explicit time interval in between them. Let me show you a prime example. Listen to the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel 36, 27 through 28. Listen to him. Notice just what he does in two verses. Verse 27. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. So there, that's a reference to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then the next verse, verse 28, right on the heels of it. You will live in the land that I give your fathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. Do you see how they just were on the same hinge? Uh, as you enter through one door, by virtue of entering through one, you're exiting another. So the outpouring of the Holy Spirit leads into the restoration of the kingdom. So this is a proper question to ask. Naturally, the disciples concluded that since Jesus is promising the outpouring of the, the Holy Spirit that is imminent just a few days, and we know it to be ten days from this point, Israel's political independence must come next. But Jesus does not rebuke their expectation that such a kingdom would ever be established. What Jesus censures them for is the timing. The timing. The fact is, Christ taught 
throughout his ministry that there is going to be a physical earthly kingdom in which he will rule and reign over. Jesus will fully establish this kingdom when he returns, when he physically and visibly comes again to judge the world with righteousness. When that day is the, the day, the time, Jesus promised that no one would know. No one grasped Jesus' teaching that the time had not come for him to rule but for him to die as a ransom for many and then be resurrected on the third day. In his first advent, I just need you to see it this way, Jesus was paving for us a path of citizenship into his kingdom. If Jesus were to have only one advent and come and judge the world in righteousness, he would eliminate us all. Because of our sin, we would fall under the righteous anger and wrath of God and we deserve a raging hell. But in his first advent, his first coming, he was paving a path of citizenship into heaven. How can we be qualified and transferred out of the domain of darkness, of sin, of rebellion against God, being his enemies, and then be placed into his beloved son's kingdom to be part of the family? How was that possible? Because in Jesus' first advent, he didn't come and establish his physical kingdom. He came and established a spiritual kingdom, an invisible kingdom that works in the minds and hearts of people, that renews them, forgives them, changes them, and transforms them, and gives them the down payment of the Holy Spirit, that the kingdom is coming. And that's what Jesus has offered you and I. And Jesus Himself was willing to yield this knowledge to the Father. Jesus is waiting in the same type of expectation that you and I wait for His return in, for Him to come back and redeem everything, restore everything, and make all things new. But I need you to see this, the time is none of our business. Following Jesus is not about knowing the times and dates of when He'll return. Following Jesus is about always being ready. Listen to how Jesus put it in Mark 13, 32-33. Now concerning that day or hour, the moment, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son. Jesus says, I don't know. He says, but only the Father. That this secret is a secret of the Father. He has held on to this and not revealed it. And then here's the application, verse 33 of Mark 13. Watch, be alert, for you don't know when the time is coming. I believe this anticipation of Jesus' return serves as an incentive for action. Because when we sit here and we try to put a date on the calendar, often the saints, we become debilitated. We wait, we lapse into doing nothing. We become nonchalant, indifferent, and an apathetic. What Jesus is reminding us, this has been reserved as God's secret. And so we have to live each and every moment like He can return the next moment and establish this kingdom. 
And yes, while we rejoice in anticipation of that, Jesus has been patient, not willing that any should come, any should perish, but that every person should come to repentance. That's the reason for his forbearance, his patience and delay. He wants every person, as many people as possible, to accept citizenship into his kingdom by acknowledging their sin, changing their attitude towards sin, and only trusting and relying upon Jesus as their forgiver of their sins and the God of the universe. That's why he, he is telling us to summon everyone too to be a part of the kingdom. So what business is the church in? What's the church's business? The first thing I want you to see is that the Tom is none of our business. That's not for us to know. But number two, let's look at Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But, so notice there's a, 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 a contrast. What we didn't need to be concerned about versus what we should be concerned about. But, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Number two, which is the explicit statement of the church's business. In what business is the church? It's our business to be a witness. Number two, it's our business to be a witness. Jesus told his disciples that the kind of power they would receive from the Holy Spirit was not an earthly or a political power. It's something better and greater than that. This power comes from the Holy Spirit and as we'll see exhibited through the book of Acts, it gives them courage, boldness, confidence, insight, and ability to do the church's business What's that business? Our business is witnessing. When the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus assures His disciples that they will be vested with power to be His witnesses. Now what are witnesses? And don't overthink this. A witness is simply someone who tells what he or she has seen or heard. You're just relaying what has already happened. When you are on the witness stand in court, the judge is not interested in your ideas or pontificating on your opinions. He just wants to hear the facts about what you've seen and what you've heard. So what are you and I witnesses of in relationship to Jesus? Now, the original disciples, they actually saw Jesus' physical death, burial, And then they also were privileged to see his resurrected appearances and the ascension here in just a few verses. We don't enjoy that privilege, but we are recipients of the eyewitness testimony of those very disciples that saw the risen Jesus because they recorded it here for us in God's holy word, the Bible. We like them 
have the privilege of bearing witness to the truth of Jesus as the gospel message that's found in this book, the good news that Jesus Christ has come into the world to bear our sins, to forgive us, to to be raised from the dead, to change and transform us, we can encounter Jesus through the Holy Spirit and the living word of the gospel. Jesus came to die for our sins and God raised them from the dead for our forgiveness and grant us eternal life. And we summon people today to repent of their sins and only trust Jesus as their Savior and God. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit is not given for people to feel goosebumps. That's not what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is here to move that good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, death for our sins, and resurrection power to prove He can forgive and grant eternal life. The Holy Spirit has come to move that message to every person in the world. The gospel is spread by witnesses like you and me, not soldiers. It's spread through peace, not war. It's spread through the Holy Spirit, not human force. We cannot coerce people into receiving the gospel. I like what the Prince of Preachers said, Charles Spurgeon, when he summed up just these three verses. He said this, Witnessing is better than knowing the future. Witnessing is better than knowing the future. And can I encourage you with a couple of things, church? Jesus here speaks southern throughout this whole verse. In verses 7 and 8, I want you to hear how the Greek second person plural sounds in our vernacular. Jesus would have said it this way. He said to them, it's not for y'all, you all, y'all to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority. But y'all will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon y'all. And y'all will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The church is a community actively witnessing to their faith. A Spirit-filled church, if we claim to be filled with the Spirit, true believers, all right, we talked about this the other week, there is no such thing as a Holy Spiritless Christian. If we claim to know Christ and and been baptized in the Holy Spirit, He indwells us, we have a relationship with Him, then a Spirit-filled church is ultimately a witnessing church. If we claim to believe and are not witnessing, we have either deceived ourselves about our salvation, or we are grieving and stifling the work, the preeminent work that the Holy Spirit longs to do in and through us. We have either not been baptized and united to Jesus, or we are grievously disobeying Him. Jesus goes on to tell us the extent of what this power will do through the disciples to advance the gospel to the world. He said this gospel would first be preached starting in Jerusalem, which is where they were. 
Now, before we allegorize this and talk about Jerusalem is like Demarest, Georgia, 30535, can we first acknowledge the historical significance of what Jesus is saying? Jerusalem is the center of Judaism. Sometimes we get so, uh, we're so quick to make this applicable to our day in life. May we never forget that we need to pray and witness to the Jewish people. Jesus is their Messiah. The Jews need to be summoned to repentance and faith in Jesus, their Messiah. He alone can save them. But I want you to at least acknowledge Jerusalem for what it meant to the disciples who were Jewish as well. But as we go and we see it going in ever widening circles from Jerusalem to Judea, which would be more like a province or a state, into Samaria... As, we, as the gospel heads into Samaria, it's breaking down racial and cultural barriers. The Samaritans and Jews, they did not get along. All right? And then it would eventually spill over into the Roman or Gentile world. People who did not fear the God of Israel at all. What I would like to just show you as, as these ever-widening circles encompass more geography, physical distance, and locales, there are cultural and theological barriers that the gospel pushed right on through. When the gospel reached the Samaritans and Gentiles, it was reaching cultured and uncultured, slave and free, male and female, learned and ignorant. The vision of the gospel, if the Holy Spirit had His way, if He was accomplishing the business in the church, if we obeyed Him and did not grieve Him and stifle Him, we would clasp hands with every nation and every tribe and sit down at one table, Jesus Christ. Jesus rules over an international community in which race and rank mean nothing to Jesus. And so there should be no barrier to us. And when His kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, comes to completion, the countless redeemed company will be seen to be drawn from every nation, tribe, people, and language. And may I also remind you a couple of things. As the gospel goes from Jerusalem, Samaria, and into the Gentile world, it becomes less, the audiences become less and less familiar with the Hebrew scriptures. So think of it this way they begin in a place that is well acquainted with the Old Testament. And by the time the Apostle Paul arrives onto the scene and takes the gospel to places like Rome, there is no such uh, background knowledge. You could say that they were more biblically illiterate. And so you'll see other tactics and means by which the church made the truth of the scriptural, they, the scripture, they contextualized and applied it in a way that these people could understand. And I want you to realize the people that they were running into. Not every person was religious and accepting. There are people who were defiant and rebelled against the living God, the crucified Christ and risen Lord. I like what Billy Sunday said. He put it this way. The Lord has anointed me to preach to the guttermost people of the earth. 
It's not just going to the uttermost, right? The farthest place, but the guttermost. The people who are down and out, that person, here's what you need to get. And I'll be so encouraged today if you settle this in your soul. That one person in our community that you would be just shocked. If you ever heard that he repented of his sins and trusted Christ as his Savior, you're sent to that person too. It's all of those people. That is the business of the church to witness. A witness is not an original thinker. We don't need new ideas. Witnesses only tell what's already happened. Everything you need in order to be a witness... All right. If you're a believer, you've already experienced everything you need to keep witnessing and pushing the gospel forward into new territory. You are witnesses to the power of Jesus. You have been witnesses. You've experienced a relationship with Jesus. Can I remind you some of the things that's happened in my life, in your life? There, Many times it's a shared experience. When I came to Jesus, I really thought I could be uh, good enough to get rid of my guilt of sin and all the things that I had done that was weighing on my conscience. And I remember when the gospel was preached and Jesus broke in and I experienced Jesus' forgiveness and that load of guilt was lifted from my heart. There was an indescribable peace that filled my soul. And I know what it is now. I didn't know what it was then. But it was the peace with God. I was no longer His enemy or His rebel. I had been received into His family and kingdom. There was no more hostility. No longer enemies, but friends. Father and child. Jesus and a brother. The Holy Spirit had made us one. Jesus transforms us. We now hate in ourselves all our unholy pleasures. We love the things that the world despises and sees as shame. Spouses, children, co-workers, employers, neighbors, even more so. They look at our lives and say, something's different. The Christian life is hard. But we have found that Christ can guard us against all sin. We can't hold on to bitterness any longer. We must forgive because we've experienced God's forgiveness. There have been times of great anxiety and depression. And I can say this when only Jesus could charm me to joy. The world is dying. Hell is raging Every true Christian should be a witness for our blessed God and Savior Jesus. We must rely on the Holy Spirit and say, Here am I, living proof of what Jesus can do. He forgave me. He is changing me. He is transforming me. I am not the person I once was. And it's not I. It's not me. It's not my ability. I am a monument of His love, and a trophy of His grace. It's our business to be a witness to the ends of the earth, to the end of the age. I'm going to ask every head bowed and every eye closed, wherever you're at. And I want to first ask this question to those who are 
unbelievers who have received this gospel witness, this gospel proclamation and preaching today, I have a question for you. Will you give up your attitude towards sin and only trust Jesus for forgiveness, transformation, and eternal life? Will you repent? Will you turn away and give your life to Christ? He has paved a path of citizenship and you can receive it today if you'll turn from your sins and entrust yourself to Jesus. If you've never done that, I want to teach you to pray. God is not dead. Jesus is alive. He can hear our thoughts and whispers. And if you want to pray to King Jesus and confess that you're a sinner that deserves hell, but you believe that He loved you, He shed His blood and died for your sins, and God raised Him from the dead to offer you forgiveness and eternal life in His name, and you're ready to receive that and give your life to Christ, would you just pray this? Repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner and deserve hell. But I believe you love me. You came down for me. You lived a sinless, perfect life. And you shed your blood and died on the cross for all my sin. And I believe God raised you from the dead. Please forgive me. Send the Holy Spirit to change me and grant me eternal life. Make me a witness for you. Now I want to encourage you, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to go to our website. Here's the next step I want you to take. Go to our website, mtcarmeldemarest.com forward slash baptism or you can hover over the home tab and click baptism. Baptism is the way in which we identify publicly with the death of Jesus as we go under the water and the resurrection of Jesus as we come up out of the water in a life committed to a new life in Christ. If you've never been baptized, look at the information on that website. Fill out the form. It's sent to me, and I would be delighted to contact you about baptizing you soon here in this church. But the other thing that I have to encourage you to do, every believer, you are called to witness. Will you begin right now? We're going to put up a clock in just a moment for a time of response. Will you ask God, to give you opportunities to witness boldly and clearly for Him. Just pray to Him. Say, God, grant me opportunities. Give me the wisdom to see see it and the courage to seize it. And then may I share a couple of opportunities that you have that the Holy Spirit can use in and through you to move the gospel into further and deeper territory around the globe and in people's hearts. I want to encourage you, prayerfully consider giving to the Annie Armstrong North American Mission Offering. This, these funds are not kept for administrative needs in the Southern Baptist Convention, but they go to equip church planners on the mission field in North America. So prayerfully consider how you could give to that. I've shared this with you before. Leverage social media. I know things are about to shift and change, 
but I still believe this is an unprecedented time where there's more traffic on the internet. That digital space has become our third space. And I want to encourage you not just to click, uh, click and share our content, which I encourage you to do now. Share this gospel uh, message with, with those that are on your social media. But I want us to go one more step. I want you to be personally involved in giving your testimony on the internet. And so we've made a way for you to, to quickly write down your testimony and to share it with the world. If you go to mtcarmeldemris.com forward slash witness, or you can go and hover over the load tab, all right, and click witness, you will see some prompts that you can follow, and in 60 seconds or less, you can have your testimony, your witness of Jesus Christ written down. And I'll be glad to send it back to you once you submit it. All right? This is not a pass or fail thing. But the other thing that we're making available is if you want to take a video, your cell phone or some type of recorder, and video yourself just sharing that simple testimony, we would be delighted to post it on our website, our Facebook page, our YouTube channel. Because we, we believe this, the gospel is bigger than Mount Carmel. It's bigger than this building and this organization. The church is responsible to move the gospel into these uncharted territories. And so I am inviting you to personally, I, I want, to, want you to weigh in and give us your witness to the gospel. That is our business. Thanks for listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. Please join us this Sunday at 11 a.m. To plan your visit, go to mtcarmeldemarest.com.